Hey, hey, I'm recording this. I'm I'm freaking out of my mind excited. This is unreal, don't you think? Yeah, I'm. That auction's going crazy there. We got one minute left. It's you and me. You and me looking at this auction. I'm not messing around with you. Let me pull it up here. I sold an NFT that gives whoever holds it a mention on this podcast forever. We're now trying to see who won. It is. You just got another racing. Bid. No way. Uh, yeah. What's the bidding at? What's the bidding at? 10,000 to 10, I see. $10,000? Creator fund came in for 10,000. They have two creator funds bidding on this. Dharma shot. That's it. It's, that's it. it. It's creator fund three. Yeah, it's over. Holy. Holy moly. Oh, wow. Crazy. All right. We're going to sell the NFT right now. 69 DSO, the equivalent of $10,209 to the top bidder. It's the creator fund. They're going to get every single, this is what I have to hit, right? They're going to get a mention in every oh, single one of my podcasts. Yep. This- I, I, it's funny. My first auction I did, I accidentally ended it right in the middle of it as bids were coming in and I had to start it all over again. So you did better than me on the first one. Wow, ten thousand dollars on an NFT. Yeah, that's crazy. And and the cool thing is that now Creator Fund, if they want to resell that, you'll get ten percent of that sale. And everyone who owns my coin on DSO gets ten percent of that sale. Yep. Along the way, I'm going to keep hopefully building a value as I talk about them, as I experiment with different ways to include this, and hopefully it'll become more valuable when they sell it than it is right now. Exactly. So the person that bought it might make money plus get a lot of free promotion. I'm hoping that's what it'll be. I think a lot of people are messaging me saying, Andrew, don't you understand? You've now committed to doing this every <laughs> single interview. I think I'm okay with that. I mean, it just takes a yeah. second. And I could be playful with it. And it's like an ongoing thing that people will know about. The, the, that's not my fear. My fear is what happens if I get burned out on this? Now I've committed, I've sold for $10,000. And if I get burned out, that's it. If I get hit by a bus tomorrow, that's it. It's that's, that's a big responsibility that that I don't feel like. I, I'm not worried about <laughs> if I get hit by a bus. If I get hit by a bus, fine. I, I apologize to them. But if I can't fulfill it, that's a big obligation. And then what are the what are their rights in this? What is my right? What did I articulate? What did we not? I feel like we're in brand new territory and we're all excited about the sale, but I'm very nervous about it. Also, should I introduce you? Brian Krasenstein, 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 either one's fine. No, you pronounce it Krasenstein. (laughs) If it's an E-I, it's pronounced I. If it's an I-E, it's pronounced like the letter E. So it's Krasenstein. You've been on this platform forever and you've been YouTubing about it every single day now for how many days? Yeah, I think it's 194. So we joined back in March and then we started recording like on our 40th day or 46th day, I think. Here's my plan for this conversation. What I admire about you and your brother who, who work on this together is you're experimenting a lot. And I feel like we're in the early days where we should be experimenting a lot. And I want to understand what kind of experiments you're taking. I admire that you're trying things, that you're not afraid to look like a fool. And to be honest, one of the things that I have a, a hard time with is looking like a fool online. And you're just goofing around. You're doing arm wrestling. You're just chatting. Your mic sometimes sucks. I'll be honest with you. I was- just got a new one. It should be good now. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. You went over a hundred days with the most echoey. I, I bet you you're on a Mac, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. So my, my agenda is let's do like a postmortem on my uh, BitClout NFT experiment. 
Then let's talk about all the experiments that you've done, what you've learned, what's working for you. And then finally, if you could help me think through another experiment, my goal here with this podcast is to experiment a lot. So if you can help me, then I'll, I'll be able to do something else that will hopefully move my understanding forward and help listeners. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's do a postmortem on the NFT. What worked? What didn't work? What did you pick up on it that you like? Give me your, your hard nose feedback. Yeah, so I, I think one of the reasons it's so successful is that there is no end period. So like you could have made an NFT and said, hey, the next 30 days, your name's going to be mentioned in my, in my podcast. But the fact that there's no end period gives the buyer the opportunity to resell it at any time and likely recapture much of what they paid, if not more. So I, I think that, that the value that this is an ongoing thing is what really helped you here. I think if, if it was limited, then you're only going to get every day the value that's going to decrease, whereas this every day it could right. increase be, as your name and your podcast becomes more popular on the platform. And I should say, if my name and, and podcast becomes more, more popular on the, pla- on the platform. I think you're right there. It's actually interesting as you were talking, it gave me an idea that I kept wanting to find an NFT that would increase in value over time, but maybe it's okay to let it decrease in value. Like if I were to say for the next hundred episodes, this will be mentioned in some ways there's value there too, because then whoever buys it has a clear commitment for me to record hundred episodes. And then even if it decreases in value every time, they at least have some resale value. Whenever I buy an Apple product, I feel good about it because there's always some strong resale value. And so that helps me with the initial purchase too. Um, I hadn't thought of that actually. You know what? A limited time NFT would be an interesting one for me to create too. Okay. So the fact that it's endless, I think that goes on forever was important to me. I, I like the danger of it. I like the fact that that people kept saying, Andrew, but if this becomes a really big podcast, you're underselling it. I like that there's that danger. I like that, that I'm a little scared. What happens if I can't continue doing this podcast? I, I like all that. Yeah, that and, stuff is, is interesting. And, and I, I think that the buyer is taking a similar risk, you know, like yes. it could pay off big time. What if you become the next, the next Howard Stern of DSO? It might be super valuable, but Ooh. you could end it next week and they just lost 10 grand. Right. And I do love that they're willing to take that risk. I remember talking to, uh, there's another risk that's important. I remember talking with uh, Andy Arts, the, one of the original investors in the platform, the guy who's super active on it. And he kept telling me, you also have a cap table risk here. Cap table is a phrase that you usually hear investors talk about, like who is also an owner of the business. And he made a point of saying that with DSO um, or BitClout, there's people see who owns your coin and who benefits from your success. And if it's, if it's jerks who are benefiting from your success or bad people who are benefiting from your success, people don't want to be associated with you and enrich these bad people who own your coin. There's also a possibility here with this NFT. If I, I truly, I don't know this, the winners of this program. I have no idea who the creator fund is. I mean, I have a sense that Mario is uh, the guy behind it, but I have no sense of what is the creator fund micro? What is it that they're this or that? I, I don't know. Did, did I even tweet out that it's the right winner? Let me, oh yeah, I did. I did. Okay. Um, so creator fund three won it. I have no idea. Did, are they going to tell me, Hey, Andrew, can you go and promote porn? Can you go and do, I don't know. 
So I, I have an answer for how I could deal with that. I don't have to say what they tell me to. I can just talk about them. And I told them, actually, they called me up and they, they wanted to talk to me. And I talked to them on the phone this morning. Um, and I said, you can't script me. And they understand that. So it's fine. But it's still a risk, you know, like, is the show now associated with someone who's good or bad? I, I think we did okay here, but still. All right, let's, let's do more. What, what else was good? What else uh, could be improved? Well, like I, I said before, I think you had, you had the, the coin holder royalty set at 10%. You had the creator royalty set at 10%. So as this resells, if it resells, I mean, potentially you could have this thing resell 10 times and every time you're going to get 10% of that sale price, whether it says higher, higher price or lower price, as well as 10% of each sale is going to go back to your cap table and help your coin holders. So it kind of incentivizes yeah, people. To I like buy that too. Coin. I like it too. I, I thought that I increased it beyond whatever the recommended amount was on DSO when I, when I created NFT, but in retrospect, maybe I didn't increase it enough. Truthfully, maybe I should have done 5% for myself, 15% for them. Maybe the more dangerous approach, right? I like the fact that there's an element of risk here would have been to say, I'm doing 20% and give more to them than to me. Um, but you're right. Now, finally, the coin holders, people who have been buying my coin on DSO, formerly known as BitCloud, um, they, I like that they now have a return on their investment. It's, it's still tiny right now because they're only splitting 10% of this, but it's something. And I like that. Yeah. And I think there's like two different ways you could have went. You could have lowered it. And that might have gotten you a higher price today because people don't have to make up that 20% when they resell it. So that buy, original buyer, they really had to get 20% more since you're going to get 20% or you're going to get 10 and your coin holders are going to get 10. So if it's a lower, a lower creator and coin holder reward, then the original buyer has a better opportunity of profiting on a later sale. But if you have a higher, higher reward for coin holders and, and yourself later, then people are going to be more hesitant to buy it initially. So it's kind of, you got to kind of feel it out. Originally they, they made it 10 and 10 from the get-go and then they lowered mm -hmm. to, I think 10 and five. So, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, when I mint an NFT, I usually do 10 and 10 too. So. Okay. I like that we are experimenting and we're learning this way. Here's another thing that I, I don't get out of this experiment, which is fine because it's an experiment, but I don't get any ongoing revenue or ongoing anything for my creator for my coin holders. So um Clout Punks is one of my favorite products. Is it Clout Punk or Clout Punks? Clout because punk. somebody owns no S. Punk. Yeah. Somebody owns the the plural of it, which is driving me nuts. Um, but I, I like that I just paid 20 bucks to get their coin and now their coin is actually growing into the hundreds of dollars. It's like for me, my share of it is went from 20, I think, to 430. I, I don't remember exactly. And the reason that it is, is every time they create one of these digital punks that they're selling on, on the platform, I get a percentage of their sales, right? As a coin holder. Yeah. And, and that's like, I'm a big owner of the cloud punk coin too, because I see it as a, a boon because you've got every resale too. And a lot of these like cloud punk works with the, the cloud punk G's they sell for, I think like 50 bucks, the first bidder. But then the value is in the resale. A lot of these are reselling for $500 or $600. Wow. And if the creator, if the coin holder rewards at 10%, which I think it is, I'm not positive, then, then every time one sells for 500 bucks, $50 goes back to the coin holder. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's definitely a, a revenue stream if you own the coin as long as you believe that's, that the product- That's been my best good. investment and it's been the best for me project on BitCloud because it's- 
I'll use the terms interchangeably while we figure out what where I'm going with this uh, name wise. But what I what I like about it is it's a good model to follow. It's not just that it's working, but they're creating something on an ongoing basis, kicking back some of their revenue to the coin holders. It makes sense for them, makes sense for the coin holders. Um, truthfully, now as I talk about them, I have to like do you at some point start to disclose that you own somebody's coin when you're talking about them. Um, who knows? Um, so that's that's interesting. What else could I have done better? You know what? I, let me suggest one thing that I did. I think I didn't go to enough people and ask them to to recloud it or to promote it on Twitter or anything that all these coin holders, if I go to my profile and I see that there are people who own my coin, I only went to Michael Simmons, Michael D. Simmons, and said, Michael, can you please recloud this? Because he and I have got an ongoing long-term relationship. He was one of my first big buyers. I probably should have gone to him and said, can you, re can you recloud this? The creator fund, a wallet owns it. I could have gone to the creator fund and said, can you promote this? Andy Arts, I felt weird about asking him or Craig or Darmesh, David Howe, like all these people, Doodles, Doodles did help and I did ask, but I could have gone and asked more of them. I have to do um, what... What Andrew Gazdecki, the owner of MicroAcquire does, I invested a little bit of money in MicroAcquire. He is good about reaching out to me and other investors and asking us for promotional help. I need to do the same thing, come back to all the people who own my coin and say, would you mind promoting this? Would you mind helping out, right? Yeah, I, I don't see anything wrong with that because your success is going to translate into their success from an investment standpoint. So I, frankly, if you contacted me and said that and I owned your coin, I'd be happy to to help you out. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just didn't think of it. And this is something that it's not just hell go and promote me for the sake of promoting. It's there's a novelty in it that is interesting. Okay. Um, anything else that we want to cover about what worked well, what didn't work well? I, I think, I think you really benefited from Natter, Natter reclouding it or re reposting it. Yes. Uh, yes. The creator of uh, the BitCloud DSO platform. Yeah. When he tweeted it out, when he reclouded it, that was helpful. And, sure. and you had Dharmesh Shah involved. So that was big. He's the founder of HubSpot. He was bidding, I know. And uh, I think people Why? see He was him such bid. a good bidder. And I was excited about him bidding too. It, in many ways, it was so validating. I've known him for years, not just through work, not like we're, we're at each other's houses, but I find his opinions to be solid. His place, his point of view is caring. He's nurturing something. I don't know what though. I understand what he's nurturing on the platform, right? He believes in this platform. Even if this doesn't succeed, I could see him. He's talked on uh, the My First Million podcast about how he would like somebody to create, if this, if BitClout is the crypto blockchain analog to Twitter, he would like somebody to do the same thing for LinkedIn, where reputation and financial backing of your belief in people's reputation is more meaningful. So I could see he's nurturing something there, but why was he nurturing this in me? Why did he do that? I, I don't know why he, he was the one who was driving up the price. If not for him, it would have been half price. I, I think the fact that like this was one of the first, like I don't want to say first because I'm sure others were, but the first one to really garner a lot of attention that was an, an, a utility NFT that had no time period and value for resale. Yeah. So like, like we've done utility NFTs, but there was no like long-term extended, no deadline type thing. So that adds value and it adds speculation. I think a speculative uh, nature to it. Let's talk about some of the experiments that you've done. Um, 
shoot, let's start with NFTs and then maybe we could even go back as far as when the coin and coin holders were the most important part of the platform. You were good about nurturing your coin holders and I'm curious about what you did there. You're good about being public, about bringing more people into the platform. But if we start with NFTs, what are some of the uh, NFTs that you minted and how did that go? Yeah, so we have a side project, BitClout Kids. And it's basically this animated, I guess you could say trading card series. Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of like, kind of like the garbage pail kids from the like 1980s uh, from when I was growing up, but we basically take every, every couple of weeks, a new character we make based on somebody on BitCloud. So we did Raj Lahodi. We did, we renamed him Rug Lahodi because he was the uh, king of like rug pools. Uh, yes. We did Jack U Smell, who was Jake Udell. We did Tiffany Jump, which is Tiffany Trump. And, and we just kind of play on it and, and, and make it fun and we make them animated and we did it like a one of one gold and a one of 10 silver. So like there's different tiers and we've had a lot of success with that. It's been fun. Uh, we, we actually had the final card of this first series ending uh, probably next week. Uh, and then we're going to take on a, we're going to change it up a little bit. Uh, it's no longer bit clout. So we got to change that, but uh, yeah, I mean, we've, we've experimented with that. And, and I think we're going to try some, a different maybe setup. So instead of like a one-on-one gold and a one of 10 silver, I think maybe we'll just do all one-on-ones and maybe more, more cards rather than just like, like five or five different cards. Maybe we'll do like five a week and we'll do different variations and stuff like that. So it, it is a lot of trial and error to see what works, something that might work on the Ethereum blockchain for NFTs might not work quite as well here because you have a different set of people with different expectations. All right. How well did that do? And I know that it's too early. Whenever I ask how well did it do, I'm, I'm cautious because I know we're talking about a small audience, small experimental project with DSO, BitCloud that eventually will get bigger. But so I, I can't say if it didn't make a lot of money that it's a failure, but I, I also can't leave that out. How much did, did it produce? How much money did that collection create? Yeah, so we, we produced five different cards. Each card has 11, actually, because you have mm-hmm. the one of one gold and the one of 10 silver. Um, mm-hmm. The first card, the Rug Lahodi card, I think the gold got $2,500 and the silvers, wow. I think, combined. There were 10 of them. I think they got about 3000 so 5500 for that first card. Uh, okay. But you got to look back then, DISA was trading at $50. So that, that $5,500 or whatever is really worth about, about $16,000 right now since we didn't sell yeah. it. Got it. Okay. So that's another issue, right? That uh, you can hold it and it could have went the other way. Keep your money in DISA. Right. Okay. All right. But still, overall, how much revenue would you say you, you made? Um, I'd say it's close to probably $25,000 or so. From just the BitCloud Kids? Yeah. Okay, so this is decent revenue, right? For this experimental project on an experimental platform. Um, what do you use, by the way, to figure out how much how much you've made from from being on the platform? What do, what do you use to keep track of what your growth in people's coin uh, values is? There's really a lot of tools. Uh, Prosper Clout uh, by Salil mm-hmm. Salil Sethi. Um, He's the one who set me up with this interview. I was going to give up on the whole damn platform. And then he reaches out to me and he says, what are you doing here? And the conversation and his help got me back on. Okay. So prosper clout. That's, that's an awesome tool. Um, I know he's doing great things with that. You can get, get all kinds of stats 
Um, for NFT sales, we actually just launched a new, our own node yesterday, uh, NFTZ. Okay. Uh, okay. That's the that's the username. It's NFTZ.zone is the website. And you can go, you can type the user's name in front of that URL. So it's a subdomain. So krasenstein.nftz.zone. And it will actually say how many, how many NFTs we sold, what the total value of the NFTs were, and all kinds of different stats. And there's a lot of other tools as well. Okay. I'm putting that, actually, I'm putting in your uh, NFT project, the bitcloutkids.nftzzone. Uh, why do you have to have a Z at the end? You already have dot zone as the top level domain. Why make it harder? So, so when we registered the username, we registered NFTZ on bitcloud.com. Ah, uh, now you need to have the zone. Okay. Um, yeah, I see. It looks like you've sold 44 of these. Am I right? No, yeah. you minted eight. So, so yeah. So, so the minted number is how many different cards, how many different okay. pieces, but each one, the silvers have 10. So you got, got it. it. I don't what so what what's the total does it say? So it says total 44 sold because there's some of these cards yep. that you had multiple copies of for a total earn of 97 DSO, right? Yeah, so that's about 15,000, so I was off by a little bit. Okay. Impressive. So what other projects have you done on 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 the platform? Yeah, so the same developer we're working on NFTZ with we uh we did checkbitclout.com, which is okay. a tool to basically set notifications for coin buy. So if I own your coin and I want to see whenever somebody buys or sells your coin, I can get a notification. Uh, we can, you can also set notifications for NFT sales or NFT bids. So it's just a tool. Uh, there is no notifications built in yet. So it's a tool to allow for notifications mainly. This is checkbitclout.com. Yeah. Don't tell me dot zone. All right. Um, <laughs> I see. That's pretty cool. So now if I'm holding someone, I get to get a notification and I can, if they get, if people are selling and maybe start selling, if it's, if it's dropping in price, right? Yeah. That's the I, idea. And, and I, I think, I think they'll add notifications to the protocol level pretty soon. Uh, mm -hmm. But in the time being, it's a great tool to kind of track things. I, I know that you kind of got to be up, especially if you're buying and selling creator coins, you got to really pay attention because there's a lot of scams. There's a lot of things going on, rug pulls. So it, it allows you to kind of pay attention without having you pay attention. What about as a creator? What have you done as a creator on the platform? Yeah, so like since, since we joined in March, like our whole thing was like, I, we don't care too much about our coin, our coin price. I mean, it's great. If, if people own our coin, it's great that it's going up, but Ultimately, we wanted to build a following because we feel that as this platform grows, those with the most followers are going to have the most influence and you can do a lot with, with influence on any platform. So we always concentrated on engaging with people and by engaging, I mean, going through the stream of, of posts and just, if you can answer a question or you can provide insight, do it. Don't go through and just spam and post like one word things, but go through and actually engage and provide content. And then we also tried posting maybe like 10 or 11 posts a day. And those posts get re-clouded. Re and when those re-clouds happen, you get more follows, you get more coin buys, you get more diamonds. So it's just a kind of a viral effect. I do notice that. You're just active on the platform, talking to everybody. And that's part of your, your plan, right? You're, you're laughing as I do this. This is part of your, your, your evil plan to make sure that every single person who's on the platform 
hears from one or the other of you and you both share an account. So it feels like you're constantly on there. Yeah. And, and there's two of us and we spend like most of the day doing this. We, we don't have any, any other day job right now. So this you, is kind how of, how do you it. get your money? I, I saw you have a nice house with a pool, right? I saw your wedding on your YouTube video, <laughs> one of your weddings. Um, where, do, where does your money come from? Let's be open here. Yeah. So, uh, so we started out in like 2003 or so, and we set up a bunch of internet forms, like message boards related to to something called e-currencies and e-currencies were things called like e-gold and Liberty reserve and perfect money. And these were basically cryptocurrencies before cryptocurrencies. And the one difference was that they were centralized and most mm-hmm. of them got shut down. So in 2000, did they get shut down or did they fail? Uh, some of them failed, but a lot of them, the government shut down because they're centralized. So they were actually considered uh, money laundering. So they get, they okay. got like wire fraud and stuff like that. They went after the government went after them. So, so these forms eventually slowed up. There wasn't much to talk about, obviously, but cryptocurrencies started coming about in like 2011 and 12. And we, we got into Bitcoin back in like, I think 2013 or so. And, uh, we held a majority of it over the years, uh, selling a little bit along the way. So how much would you say you made off of Bitcoin over the years? Uh, I don't want to say thousands, millions, millions, millions. Okay. So millions from that. And up until then you, you kept yourself busy or made money by writing about these, like, I remember flus and all these other ones, everyone would create these different online currencies by just writing about them. And I'm guessing getting an affiliate commission. Is that it? Uh, Most of it was we ran, we ran internet forums and we basically, they were just like free open forums and we'd sell ads against, against the content. So, I mean, it was mostly what we never really did affiliate, affiliate marketing or anything like that. It was just like you sell ads, ads Google AdSense, stuff like that. Google AdSense. It wasn't even like, like a online gambling sites or anything. I, there were, there was some, there were some gambling sites, okay. but mostly we just put Google AdSense. It was a lot easier um, and less, less difficult to manage everything. How much money did you make from something like that? From all those uh, community, give me, you know what? Before you answer that, give me a name. I'm going to go to Internet Archive, my favorite site, and, and look up the history of Brian. Yeah, so so moneymakergroup.com was one of them. Moneymakergroup.com. Okay, so with sites like moneymakergroup.com, how much money are we talking about? Tens of I, thousands? Of yeah, I, I mean, they weren't huge money makers. I mean, I, I don't want to say they weren't huge, but I think a lot of what we got very lucky with Bitcoin. We got in early. We kind of, we saw the trend of, these e-currencies coming about and the e-currencies were getting shut down because they were centralized and they were facilitating money laundering, the government would say. So when we saw Bitcoin come about, we were like, well, this makes sense. I mean, Mm. these, a lot of these e-currencies are obviously there is money laundering going on and, and it, maybe they should have been shut down, but the government would do the same thing to Bitcoin if they could. But since these are centralized, since these were, since Bitcoin's decentralized, there's nothing they can do. And that was kind of what, that's kind of what drove us into Bitcoin, knowing that there are use cases outside of money laundering that a global currency can have. What I, what I mean by that is you guys are hustlers. You're hardworking people. Like you clearly have more fun than I do. I need to learn to relax like you. I, I relax and have a good time in private, but online, I'm so freaking intense but you're having a good time. You, you, 
you're smiling all the time. Like you just now had to stop your smile because it's like awkward that you just smiled and I have this intensity about me all the time. But, and so I can't imagine that you're just doing moneymakergroup.com without producing real money for yourselves from it. No, no, they, they were, they were definitely producing money. Million a year plus. I'm sorry, what's that? Million a year plus in revenue. In moneymaker group, no, it was it was like overall in the collection, like, like low six figures, I'd say back in okay over like the course of two thousand and three to two thousand and twelve, maybe. And you weren't like pissed off at that, like you're a smart guy working hard, and and you're doing low six figures. Yeah, I, I mean, we we were happy with what we were doing. We were working for ourselves. I, part most of that, well, not most, but the early part of that, we were still in in college. We were trying to like figure out what the next big thing were it was. Okay. And then we jumped to three D printing. We created a three D printing uh, news site, three D print dot com, actually. Okay. And we ended up getting an investment from a from a uh, from a trade show company. And they eventually okay. bought us out in 2000 and I think it was 14. So th- I mean that, that big buyout what's enough that? to buy more Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, no, we didn't buy more Bitcoin. We just, we just had our Bitcoin. We, uh, okay. we got into Bitcoin when I was like 200. So a little went okay. a long way in the long run. Wow. How much money did you put into Bitcoin? Uh, probably about a hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Nice. All right. And so I see, I see the website now. It's like a standard WordPress site. I'm almost looking on the bottom, expecting it to say who the theme was created by because it just <laughs> looks like, like a theme site, but I like it. I even see in the internet archive, the old feed burner subscribe uh, button in there. All right. And then I read, I think it was on your site that the police raided something. Is that right? Tell me about that. What happened? Yeah. So in 2016, uh, we were part of an investigation and they raided both of our homes. And this stemmed back to us selling ads on our website to a, a, an e-currency that I was just talking about. It was actually perfect money and it was run out of Russia. And the government thought that we were like the U.S. connection to them, like the U.S. branch, uh, because this group spent money on our sites on advertising. And what they did was they disguised themselves as 17 different companies and they bought ads under, under those company names from us. And the government thought we were more connected than we, than we were. They raided our houses, seized our assets, and eventually we got almost all of it back. And they never charged us with a crime. They never arrested us. It was like, it was, it was a mess. We, we had no clue what was going on for about eight months. Were you smiling then too, or as <laughs> depressed as the rest Definitely of Definitely not. No. Okay. And that's the thing that kind of embittered you towards this centralized government and made you decide, I think, I think we we need to care more about Bitcoin than about the money side of it. Yeah. And, and like, like, I don't, I don't blame the government for going after these, these centralized e-currencies. I mean, there is, there is a lot of negative, a lot of bad stuff going on. I mean, even on Bitcoin, there's a lot of bad stuff going on, but I think what really got like ticked us off was the whole civil asset forfeiture. They didn't charge us with a crime. They didn't arrest us. They had no crime to charge us with, yet they could seize pretty much everything we owned for about eight months. We had no clue what was going on. And then we had to hire a lawyer, spend hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. to fight it. And and they know that that they have you cornered regardless. You either, if, if we didn't have the money to fight it, we'd be we'd be screwed 
And there's so many people that have this happen to them that don't have the money to fight it and they just give in. And, and I think that's what really made us bitter towards what the government was doing and is doing. All right. And so you see BitClout, you get excited and you start going in and it seems like in the beginning, you cared a lot more about, about coin holders. It seemed like that was going to be the path to success on this platform with, of course, always constantly engaged, talking to everyone. I don't think there's a person on here who hasn't seen the Krasenstein welcome wagon in some way. Um, but when you, when it was coin holders, what were you doing? Were you organizing events for your coin holders so that they would buy more coins? And then every time they bought, bought your coin, you'd get a founder award, which is a percentage of the sale, which is a nice, uh, upside for you. Is that what you did? No, we, we never did anything like that. Uh, like I, I'd say like off the bat, like we were like, oh, this is cool. We're getting a really high coin price. Um, BitClout, uh, BitClout Pulse at the time, as soon as we signed up, they, they like gave us a shout out and a lot of people bought our coin. And it was, it was thrilling to watch as the coin price went up. But I think like over the first, like after like the first like month or two, we kind of realized like, I don't think coin price matters as much as maybe a lot of people are, are looking at it. I think that like, I, I think- ultimately those with follows and those that can create a name for themselves are going to do well on the platform, regardless of coin price. And the coin price is more of a way for people to speculate on you while also providing you with that founder reward, which is what is what you're earning. So, so coin price is a good utility for the, to add value to the creator and for the creator to earn. But I don't think a higher coin price necessarily is super valuable, if that makes any sense. I thought it would be. I mean, my my approach to this whole platform was kind of like you're selling these garbage pail-like creations with your BitCloud kids, where we all get to speculate on what the value is going to be. We feel good for holding certain people's cards. I thought that the creator coin would do that, that I would be excited about holding, uh, I don't know, um, your coin, for example, because I believe you're going somewhere and I get to say that I believe and I get to see it grow. And as you maybe offer rewards to coin holders like me, I'll get benefits for being one of the early coin holders. It doesn't seem like that worked out. I I, um, I, I don't want to say it's not going to work out because I do think that as the I agree. platform grows and you see new apps being built on top of it to allow for an easier way to kind of add coin holder benefits, I think that it will be big. I, I'm, I'm just saying that from a creator standpoint, I don't really think like worrying about your coin price might not necessarily be the best way to go about it, but the coin price definitely has future utility. It's going to definitely provide the creators with that founder award and therefore a way to earn for being a creator. All right. What else have you done that's worked for you on the platform? I'm looking to be honest, Brian to learn about the platform and then to see what I could do on the platform based on what's worked for you. If I'm looking at your coin price, it's $4,300. Mine is what, 700 and change. So clearly you're further ahead on the platform than I am. People think you're a more valuable contributor and you are a more valuable contributor. I want to learn more about that. And then I want to learn from that, what I could do today and then what the possibilities are for the future. So could you share one, maybe two different things that you've done on the platform that have gone well for you? Yeah, um, I I just say like being involved, like so so 
not necessarily just on bitclout.com or any other node, but being involved off of the protocol. So Clubhouse, like we we're usually on Clubhouse once a day for maybe maybe an hour each once a day. And in the beginning, we were on Clubhouse for probably like six or seven hours each a day, just talking about Bitcloud, helping people learn about it. So that kind of provided us with, I guess, a name for ourselves and kind of gave let people know who we were and at more of a personal level. So they kind of knew who they're interacting with, a voice over just text on a screen. So I, I think that was, that's definitely big that we do the YouTube videos, which we aren't getting a ton of views on YouTube. I think our average video gets maybe 250 views a day or, or 250 views each video. So, I mean, we're not getting a tremendous amount of traffic there. We have like 500 subscribers, 480 or something. But I think as the platform grows, if, if you can do something like that and grow, have it grow along with the platform, I, I think that can be beneficial. When people type in YouTube DSO, I think a lot of our videos come up. So it's a way for people to discover you. Um, something else, I've, we're on Discord all the time, uh, a couple of Discord channels, Telegram, we're in, in a bunch of group chats and, and just interacting with a lot of the people, a lot of the developers on the platform and just giving, giving our opinions, uh, helping people kind of understand things and learning a lot too. And I think that's important. The reason I know so much about DSO is because I'm like living and breathing it like eight hours a day. <laughs> I have been told that if I'm not getting enough out of the platform, it's because I'm not doing enough off the platform with the people who are on the platform. And I've been told to be in Discord more no one's told me to go into Clubhouse partially because Clubhouse is kind of losing its power, but I've been told to do more of that. What's of all of those things, what's the highest ROI? Is it being in one of the discords? I can't do what you're doing. I, I would, I would burn out. This is your full-time job at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say full-time job, but I mean, I do spend a ton of time. Ed spends a ton of time. So it's, it's moving in that direction. We're working on this node. So that's kind of turning into a job there. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I would say the best ROI would, originally it was Clubhouse because Clubhouse was thriving back then. You'd have sometimes two or yep. 300 people in a, in a BitCloud DSO room. But yep. uh, as things have moved along over the course of the last few months, I think, I think Discord's awesome. There's, a, there's a Chainsurf. I'm actually have that open right now. I'm looking at Chainsurf right now. And in What's Chainsurf... Chainsurf? Uh, you can actually see every single transaction that's happening live. So like right now, I see that that TradeVast just bought his own coin, $22 of his own coin two seconds ago. I see that. Why do you need to know that? It, it feels like, it's, it seems like this, that this is this is a useful tool, right? What, what is Chainsurf? It's, or what's the URL for that? So, so it's a Discord server. Um, uh, oh, okay. Got it. So you're, you're giving me Discord servers. Is it, is it being there and getting this data or is it being with people that yeah, I should so, find? So, if, so one, of the, one of the, what do you call them, rooms or whatever in that server is the general room. And you have pretty much everybody, even, even Natter's in that room. He just actually joined up yesterday or this morning. So, I mean, you're interacting with Natter, Fast Freddy, so many of the developers, I mean, I could list them all, but I'd run out of time, but uh, they're all there and they're all kind of giving input. If they see something happen, they say it. That's how we get a lot of information. We just see something pop up. And there's a couple other, uh, couple other big discords too, or not big, but smaller 
with some of the big bigger names on on the DSO platform. So you can kind of connect with people, and when you connect with people, you get people to reclout you later on. They say, "Hey, I I know him. Uh, has right. good information." Okay, so if I could pick one or two discords to join in, what would they be? Well, I'm not going to be on there all the time. I, I would definitely say Chainsurf. I, I think Chainsurf is probably one wow. of the best. Um, I'm trying to think what the other ones are. The, the, the BitSwap one used to be before BitSwap went under. Uh, there's, a, there's also a, a bit, just a bit, it's just called BitClout. And that's probably one of the more active ones be, besides Chainsurf. So for, to get to the Chainsurf Discord, I just go to BitClout dot com slash you slash chain surf. And then I'm in there and in their description, they've got a link uh, that says here, just hit that link and join the discord to get to the BitClout discord that you mentioned. What do I do? It's uh, a good, good question. Um, it's, I, I'm guessing you can probably search discord for BitClout and it'll probably be the, okay. one of the top okay. ones. Uh, the URL I see is just a bunch of numbers. So <laughs> I don't want to spout yeah, off 20 no. numbers. Okay. All right. And in worst case, people could just uh, message you and then yeah. God knows you respond. So there's that. Um, that's more about me being active on the platform. Maybe we can now go towards the final segment here, which is if I wanted to, to run an experiment, if I wanted to do something on this platform, what are some of the things that I could be doing? What I'd like to do something as a result of this interview at the end, like go and do something just like at the last interview, I said, what should I come up with? And the two of us, me and doodles, doodles, me and doodles brain doodles. And I, excuse me, um, doodles. And I came up with the idea that I would create an NFT and whoever owned it, got an ad in, in the interview that I was about to do for the rest of time. Um, what do you think is a good experiment to do now? What's a what's an easier thing to do? Man, I, that's a tough question. Um, I don't know. You played around with NFTs. You could play around with maybe maybe you could offer something to your coin holders, and maybe that something could be maybe you'll get say this podcast a day early, some stuff like that. Yeah. I did that, that the challenge with that was there's not enough excitement for it. So then it was, what was it? It was moon balance, the tool that I was using. Like people can wait a day to get the podcast. It's not, it's not hot off the presses yeah. better find out. But, um, they, they were interested just to try moon balance, which was the software I used to enable only my coin holders to get the episode. And that way I could show them how a tool software would work on the platform. What else? What's another interesting project, another interesting thing to do. Like one thing I could do is just go and do what you do is just make sure that I'm sending out maybe 50 messages to people between now and next week, which is a lot, but it's intimidating, but it's doable. Maybe that's the, the thing I do, but that doesn't seem like it's exciting enough. What do you think? Yeah, I, it's, it's tough right now. I, I think it's tough right now because there, there are all the, there's, there's not a ton of activity every hour. So it's like you, you hit a post, you get a, po put a post up, you might say, Hey, you get this feature if you own my coin or something like that. And then that post doesn't make global that nobody's reclouding it at, at that time. And it's kind of forgotten about. So I think we kind of have to wait for activity to increase, which I think next week's going to be big on that. I think that the referral programs 
likely going to be rolled out either next week or the week after. Um, so once that happens, I think it's easier to experiment from, from that kind of level. But uh, yeah, I, I think what you did with NFT was a really good experiment. I, I think that you probably, it, it really kind of showed the community how valuable something with an extended time frame like that can be, or an unlimited time frame, I guess you could say. So then maybe the next thing is to think about what happens. How do I, if, if this is me thinking in real time here, it seems like the referral program is going to be the next big thing. Everyone's talking about it. I would get some kind of commission who knows what, what the structure actually, do you know what the structure is for the commission I would get for referring people to the BitCloud platform to DSO? So, so we don't know for sure. Um, some some of the some of the uh, code leaked out or not leaked out. It was on GitHub and it showed it showed like the, your first three referrals, you'll get fifty dollars, and then anything after that ten dollars. But we don't know if they're going to change those numbers or not. It, right. it could stay that way, but it, it's hard to say. Okay, but I would so it's straight up money for bringing people to the platform, right? Yeah, DSO. Got it. So DSO, I get I get money for bringing people to the DSO platform. And so if what I'm trying to do is explore the, the tools on the platform, it feels like what I should be doing is maybe getting practiced explaining to people what the hell DSO is and why they should care about it. And even if I go outside of the platform and I do something that's, that's sucky, I'm at least now practicing to explain it, getting feedback on it. And then when it's time for me to take this out beyond, I could go and do, I don't know, and, and get more people to be on the platform. Yeah, I, I think that like just verse yourself in the, po the positive aspects of decentralized social media. And then when the referral program comes, you'll be ready to jump in. Uh, I, I think a lot of people are actually waiting to refer people because they're waiting on the referral program and they're waiting for other new features to roll out so that it's a, it's a nice onboarding experience, not something that's clunky like I, I want to say maybe it has been, uh, but I think as they, as they roll out the new design and they rolled out the tutorial, I think that it, it is almost time that you can start referring people and feel good about it, I guess. I find that it's, it's fine. It's easy enough to do right now. Um, one of my challenges with DSO is there's always this just wait till next week. There's a new feature coming and that's going to be the one, right? Back when Nader was just going by the name Diamond Hands and people didn't know who he was, I could have sworn that he did a post on BitClout, which is what it was called at the time, saying we waited until NFTs before we get to do this big rollout. And right, and I thought, NFTs, really? That was going to be the big rollout? Okay, but maybe I don't understand how people are attracted to this art form and the way of buying and selling it. And then that didn't do it. And then we're now going to give money to people if they sign up. So now if you have an app that interacts with the DSO backend, you could, they announced, give them money for signing up to your app. And I thought that's going to be the thing. This is exciting. That didn't take off. I feel like we just keep waiting for what the next thing is. The developers are so good. The designers are so amazing. They're working on this thing. And I got inside information from some, some whatever, and it doesn't happen. So what I keep wanting to think about is what's here now, what's going to be interesting today. And so I should be thinking and not even about where is the referral program going to come in and help me, but is there 
is there a path where I just show people how to get on BitClout, explain to them why this makes sense today, and then encourage them to buy my coin? That if they're going to experiment, why not experiment by buying my coin? Um, and that, and frankly, if I even want to think beyond today, before, before if I want to think even more short term, I'm usually a long term thinker, but I, I want to like get action today. It's to just show them why this makes sense at all, why this at all matters, so that even if it's not BitClout changing their lives, it's an understanding of a new form of commerce that is interesting enough. What do you think? I'm talking a lot. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that idea. I mean, you could do something where you maybe set your founder reward higher for a few days, maybe 25 or 30%. And you do something like that. You tell people about it and say, hey, you buy, you buy my coin and I'll reinvest the founder reward into your coin. So if somebody buys $50 of your coin and you're set at 30%, you reinvest that $15 you get back into their coin. Or maybe you double it and you'll reinvest twice the founder reward. So it kind of allows them to, to experiment in buying your coin, helping your coin achieve higher value. And also it provides them with the experience of having their coin purchased by you. And you, you kind of get, you get the founder reward, you get a higher founder reward. So it, it could work out something like that. How do you keep track of that, of who's buying at that? I guess that's where you start using one of these tools that you're telling me about. Yeah, I, I use those tools. I also just have a, a document, a Google, Google document, and I just list every every buy and every sale because eventually you're going to pay taxes on it. And I don't want to be stuck trying to figure it out later. I'm assuming I don't have to pay taxes until I take the money out of, of the platform, out of DSO. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's tricky and, and I'm not an accountant, so I don't want to <laughs> say too much. But I, I think that if you're transferring DSO to a creator coin and then selling that creator coin, I think technically you're probably uh, liable for the, the gain or loss that you encounter on that transaction. Since the creator coin is actually a separate, a separate asset, I guess you could say, from the DSO coin. But I, I mean, it, it's so black and white, it's so gray right now that yeah. it's tough, you know? All right, I'm not going to do that just to avoid that. I, I want the simplicity of, I'm going to teach you this thing. I'm going to learn how to explain what this is. And by learning, I'm going to understand it better. I would have wanted a more dramatic program after what I did before, but I think that this is fine. You have a, you have one long-term idea of something that could work. Um, I'm trying to think if it's just, uh, I mean, it's so early in the game. So like, there's so much that we don't know if it will work or not because there's no examples of it. Like things I've seen work are obviously the NFTs that are blowing up once in some, some respect, like Cloudpunk and Illuminati and all that. But uh, other things I see work is just people creating nodes and creating projects and developers coming on board and creating exciting projects and then they're getting funding. So it- So a node is a, node is a copy of- either the whole data that's in BitCloud or a subset of it. And in your case, when you're doing this on NFTs zone, what you're doing is saying, I'm going to create a copy of what's on the, on the DSO uh, database, decentralized database, but it's only going to include the information about, um, about NFTs, right? Yeah. So, so basically as a node, NFTZ, it's basically taking that fire hose of data that's on the blockchain, mm -hmm. taking it and, and 
putting a lens over it and just showing what we want to show. So we're not showing people's posts. So if, if you yep. post something, nothing's going to be shown unless you mint it as an NFT. And then we're feeding that back to the blockchain and then everybody can get that information and put it on their node. So it's kind of like a, this database that everybody takes from and feeds back into. And I can now buy an NFT on the platform. Is that right? Yeah, you can buy, buy from NFTZ, you can buy from bitcloud.com. So got it. And so what you've got now is you've created your own NFT marketplace, freshly made, don't have to create original content. It's already there. You don't have to justify why would anyone create on your platform because it's not just on your platform. It's going to go back into uh, into the lake that is DSO and other people will be able to drink from that lake. That's not a great metaphor, but that's interesting. Okay. And then what's the upside for you with NFT zone? So, so NFT right, right now, obviously, right now it's not earning any money, but like in the long run, if we wanted to, we could number one, earn from transaction fees. It's, it's right now, it's very minimal, but so, so yeah, like, so every, every transaction on your node has a transaction fee. So eventually you can tap into that. And I I don't think that's going to be a huge, a really a huge way for nodes to earn, at least from what I've seen. But uh, the long-term would be to start maybe selling featured, featured NFTs and maybe the top section of everybody's profile might have a few featured NFTs and you can charge DSO for that featured NFT if you want to post it there for a day or a week, stuff like that. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. I like that idea too. It's a great idea. This is finally like somebody creating a node that I could totally understand. I remember when I was trying to sell an NFT just to understand what NFTs were, I didn't, I didn't know how to go. I, I went on OpenSea. That was kind of a pain. I ended up having to get this wallet and all that. Here, it seems like all I have to do is just log in and I do find that actually the DSO cre- account creation process much simpler than it is in other uh, crypto experiences, right? There's no wallet that you have to install that doesn't work on a freaking iPad, which I love, right? Um, so I get it. All right. I think I think we've done it. Did I miss anything? No, I, I think that's a good, good, uh, good example. I, I think that that's what the power, power of the blockchain is, is that you can create this web. If you want to create a new Facebook, you can do it and you don't need to have users come on board beforehand because the users are already there. So you can concentrate on the development of the node, which is your platform. Yeah. I should think about like what that has direct access to entrepreneurs I should be doing there. How do I only feed out, only take out content that relates to entrepreneurship from this platform and entrepreneurs and and almost create like the entrepreneurial Twitter, you know? Well, yeah. I don't know how to do that. How, I do, mean, how do I know who, what's entrepreneurial content? I, I mean, you could create your own node and like from the start, just pick and choose some of the entrepreneurial people, like maybe mm-hmm. you take yourself and Dharmesh and whoever else you think is doing stuff in that space and bring them forward on the node and then have people sign up on your node and say, hey, I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur. I'd like to be shown on this node as well. And then eventually you can sell ads on that node. You can figure out other ways to monetize it. Maybe. The challenge with that is I saw what Darmesh posted recently. It was, does anyone know if this account is legit or not? It turns out it wasn't a legit account, right? And so he's, he's saying that he's going to sell the coin. That's not entrepreneurial content, even though it comes from an entrepreneur. It's too confusing. We need something else. All right. How about this? I'm just riffing long-term. 
there is a new way of selling here that excites me. Every time I do these interviews, all I think, all I focus on is not the content, not the decentralized network, but the new commerce. Maybe there's a new commerce opportunity here where like what I did with this NFT, where I sold, where I sold the right to all kinds of future benefits. Maybe there's a way for other people to do that to sell the right to future benefits? Is there a way for me to create something where that it's like a Kickstarter for creators? If you need money to do something instead of going, if it's too small for an angel list and it's, and the kick Kickstarter doesn't let people have like long-term interest. Maybe there's something else, a new way to support creators upfront and then benefit long-term. Maybe that, I don't know what it is yet though, but what do you think of that? I think, I think something like that could work too. I think it's just figuring out like what you want to what? bring forward from the blockchain and then working with that data in a way that you can attract people to your node rather than these other nodes. All right. I'm going to close it out by talking about creator fund v3 i have nothing to say about them i don't even know what the creator fund v3 is what i do know is i was running this morning i was shocked that people were actually buying my nft and getting mentions and i was shocked that creator fund three didn't just bid on it they whatsapped me i said andrew we are committed mario Nar- uh, nafal who i've known for a while insisted that we have to win this competition and sure enough I actually thought for sure they're going to lose. They're bidding against a billionaire, <laughs> right? Like a billionaire nice guy, not a billionaire like like John P. Getty who's going to hoard on the money. He's like a billionaire nice guy. And I thought, no, they're not. They can't outspend him. They can't out nice him. What are they going to? And then I, I don't know. They might have just sat in front of their keyboard and decided that they weren't going to let go until until they won. Now that you won, guys, create a fun V3. I'm on uh, BitClout. I need more information about what it is. You can send me a message, obviously, on WhatsApp. God knows you pay $10,000. You can come to my house and tell me the message uh, and I'll and I'll talk about it. But for now, we got our first mention in the can. What do you think, Brian? I think it's awesome. And uh, I'm glad that uh, you had such success in this first yeah, this first experiment. Me too. Fucking hey, this is exciting. All right. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, I'd love feedback from you. I uh, didn't ask for a while and I thought I didn't care, but it turns out I'm kind of needy when it comes to feedback. That's why I have Brian have your camera on. I, I need to see your face when I'm talking to you to get a sense of whether I'm pushing you too far, asking you about past money. Is that like something that's going to shut off this conversation or is it something that you're kind of going to engage in? I saw that you were, you're not loving that I was taking you there, but you're fine with it. You're just going to accept it because I don't know what, maybe you're a nice guy too. You are a nice guy. Thanks. All right. Thank you. So here it is. If you want to send me feedback, obviously you can come to bitclout.com com slash you slash Andrew Warner, any other social networks, fine too. Or you can email me, andrew at mixergy.com. It's my least favorite channel of communication, but it's going to be the best way for us to connect right now until I get into one of the discords that Brian's on. Andrew at mixergy.com. Brian, really honor. Thank you so much for being on here. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Bye, everyone.